Hi, I'm Andy. I'm Lucy. And I'm Mickey. Welcome to Catcall, the feminist podcast. So welcome to Cat Called, a feminist podcast. Um, just wanted to remind you that we still have a Twitter account, which is at Cat Called Podcast, uh, a Gmail account when you, where you can um, write to us about anything that's bothering you, um, about sex, relationships, whatever. Or just say hi. That's cool too. Or if you have an angry feminist rant. We love angry feminist rant. Yes, please. Um, and so, yeah, uh, let's just get started then. Um, so for our first topic today, we're going to discuss um, porn. So the other day I was on Facebook, on my Facebook feed, and at some point there was this um, article about this new report. Um, and I didn't look at the article straight away. I just went directly to the comment section where a bunch of guys were discussing how um, this report wasn't representative of um, the society uh, because it is... What did they say? That um, women don't watch porn and porn is a guy thing. So I thought it would be interesting to actually read the article um, and um, discuss the fact that, yes, women do actually watch porn and enjoy it. Um, So just to talk about the report a little bit. Um, So women were asked what kind of porn they uh, gravitated towards. And so uh, here were the answers. So 63% uh, preferred heterosexual porn, uh, 44% lesbian porn, 31% um, like both, Uh, 28% like hardcore uh, porn, Uh, 26% like softcore or RT porn, Um, 13% uh, like gay male porn, and 13%, um, they say it's not listed here, whatever that means. We think that's, that means the fun porn, so the stuff that uh, when the sex workers opera um, ladies came around and they were talking about the porn that got banned, like uh, squirting, fisting, all of that, all yeah. of the female-centric porn yeah. has now been erased from the porn. Yeah, so. and I'm also wondering if, what they mean by arty porn. Do they mean, like, because feminist porn is often a bit arty, too. Like, it's very nice. I like the visuals of... Yeah, I wonder if by arty they mean nice. Yeah, and not um, kind of, yeah. But anyway, Mickey and I were looking at the st- statistics earlier, and we were kind of surprised that 63% of women liked heterosexual porn because it's, like, cause usually heterosexual porn is for men usually and it's very um more violent like i guess it's i don't don't really like heterosexual porn because it's like rabbits having babies and it's like describe it and it's like a pneumatic drill yeah exactly exactly. and yeah drilling movement it just it just seems painful or if not painful just not enjoyable Mm. you know i think you can get really good heterosexual porn that's really hard to say Heterosexual porn. Yeah, it's a very long um, word. Hetero. Long. Let's just say hetero from now yeah, on. Yeah, okay, that's good. I like that. Um, I think you can. I, I just think it depends where you're looking. And also, like, there's so much porn around. Yeah. Um, that to put them in, like, sections like hetero, lesbian, gay male, like, within that, there's so many different categories. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a problem with them doing that. It's just, yeah, it just seemed odd to me that they wouldn't go more in depth. Actually, there was this porn site I heard about with um, this porn star called Stoya. Um, She's really interesting. She was one of the women who said that James 
something Dean, I think. James Dean. No, like he's a it's a porn star name, I oh, think. Okay. But like James James something. Um, I know James Dean was an actor, but like so the porn star James something. Anyway, um, <laughs> he allegedly raped a couple of women he worked with, um, and she was one of the women who came out um, against that. And she became yeah. the producer of her own porn. And instead of um, and the tags on her porn website are very different. So she looks through all the videos. Um, which must be a very enjoyable job. Um, and then she tags accordingly, but not she wouldn't tag it like hardcore or something. She'd say something that was um, specific um, to that um, video. Mm -hmm. And so she has a very different way of tagging um, the videos in that, which is a difference. And I think like people should try that out. So yeah. I think she's on Twitter. So it's she just is. Stoya, S-T-O-Y-A. Um, and you should check it out. She's really interesting. She, um, have you ever heard of Crash Pad? Yeah, I actually checked it out the other day because you... Um, did I recommend it already? Yeah, you did, you I did already. I Crash Pad. It's so good. <laughs> it's one of those... Um, so for ages, I was a proper student and massively hated paying for anything. So when I came along to Crash Pad, it was my partner that first introduced me to it because I'm not going to lie, mum, close your ears, but I watch a lot of porn. Um, <laughs> and I had that like self-loathing every time I did it because I was like... Uh, I don't. I I know that I just watched a problem. Like, I'm into pretty kinky porn, so I was like, I don't know if what <laughs> I just watched is okay. And then my partner was like, Ah, but have you seen Crash Pad? And I was like, No, and immediately signed up and am now a fully fledged member of that community. It's so good. Yeah. It's queer, ethical porn, and it's great. Yeah, I have to trouble too because I I kind of like kinky porn too and like that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's always like <laughs> and that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and it's always like an issue when you go on like especially the mainstream ones. I think they're awful because like you don't really know who made it and if it's and sometimes you can they will have like this focus on the face on this like woman and you know she looks like she looks like she's about to cry mm -hmm. and then you're like I don't want to watch this but anymore it's like as, as, that kind of takes on the assumption that women don't want to do porn yeah but there's also um there's a lot of women who want to do porn like Stoya and who are very good at it and I think it should be treated as a profession and not be stigmatized like it is um but then you have these girls who think they want to do it and don't really know. You can't say that, though. You can't say that they no. don't know what they want to do. I saw this documentary, uh, and it, they were just, like, treated like crap. Yeah, but uh, so are bloody cleaners. Yeah, that's true. That's I, I don't have a counter to that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, I, think, I think people, I think women especially doing porn, it seems to be that m typical misogynist thing of women doing porn is seen as degrading and unethical, yeah. and poor them, they must be saved. And then men doing porn is seen as, oh, he must be such a stud and sure yeah, he's exactly. probably got something going on, but look how he's dealing with it. And you're like, oh. Yeah. But I think it's important to like look for ethical porn and porn, which like you know that both parties are having fun and stuff like that. And I think that sometimes, it's, like I saw this documentary and um, there was a segment about um, this guy who gets women in for like porn castings and then without, and they think they're in a casting when actually this is going to go on his website and he specializes in those kind of things. That's an actual type of porn, isn't it? 
Sorry, I'm just I don't know, but like he makes them do like redegrading really stuff, and sometimes I wonder if they know about it or if it's just like a prank for him. If he's like, if this is a practical joke. Yeah. Um, I don't have his name here. I don't think like he should. I don't. But like th- casting casting room porn is a total thing, and it yeah. comes from that that, um, like that's another. What's it called when you watch someone, um, without them knowing? That's like voyeurism. A, voyeurism. Yes. Voyeurism. Yeah. We've, wait. Why have we talked about this? Before? We must talk about porn quite a lot. Because we've definitely had this conversation as well. We have had this conversation, but I think it was like when we were a bit drunk at your place one day. I don't know what you're talking about. No, we never. never. touch alcohol. No, we never, Uh, (laughs) mum. Yeah, again. Although I think she's probably going to be more concerned about what we've been talking about. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So moving from porn to Beyonce, as I think is only right and proper, have you heard Lemonade yet? Um, Well, I have heard the beginning of like the video album and then I never really got around to really going delving deeply into it but for like the first like minute I heard I found pretty good mm. but I didn't really research it that much I'm waiting for the hype to calm down and the video album to come out on YouTube <laughs> to finally <laughs> check it out <laughs> um, I, I have Tidal which is the Beyonce Knowles Jay-Z streaming service um and I have a friend who is um, like the biggest Beyonce fan ever, which I think is really funny, um, just because this particular friend just, she really likes it when I take the piss out of her, so I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so I, I realised that I could listen to the Beyonce album and Frankie couldn't, so I immediately listened to the entire thing on repeat for about two days, just to just to be a knobhead <laughs> and rub it into Frankie's face. Um, but I properly fell in love with it. Like, it's so good. There's um, Some of it's really problematic, Really? Um, not really. Well, okay, so yeah, I've there's one song that's really catchy, and I don't know if it's pro-gun or anti-gun, but it seems pretty pro-gun, and it makes me a really? bit like, oh, I wish I wasn't singing along. But I and and it's feminist in the Beyonce way that is always the same. Like it's always going to be quite sexualized, um, a bit kind of like she's she's got this huge audience, and she's in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And she's Beyonce. Like she's yeah. never going to make hugely feminist work. Um, but th- I've just been having a look at what people on the interwebs are saying. Oh my god, people are so judgy. So what were they saying? The Huffington Post did like quite a like quite a nice piece, considering they were saying that she wasn't feminist. Um, where they're like, oh hey, we're massive Beyonce fans, but have you listened to this? It's awful. Uh, <laughs> really like this is really degrading because she did this um, really degrading because like a lot of people on Twitter were saying how it was empowering to black women especially yeah. um, did you find that at all? I mean I'm not a black woman so that would be hard for me to say that is that is true I mean I'm not <laughs> on a podcast but I mean you can see me asking so. the wrong person <laughs> um, no I don't think I don't think it's unempowering um but what everyone's saying is, so the Huffington Post article really kind of legitimately argues that she mm-hmm. does problematic stuff and therefore shouldn't be called a feminist. Yeah, I, I say legitimately, I think that's really wrong. Um, and then the Independent has gone full on, like, full on judgy. And so the title of the article is Why Beyonce Shouldn't Inspire Feminists Despite Her VMA's Performance. And you're like, how can... 
Well, how can you say yeah. someone shouldn't inspire somebody? Yeah, I think especially in this day and age, like a lot of people are trying to say what is feminist and what is not, what is empowering and what is not. And I think um, empowering is different. Like, I think being empowered is different from being empowering. Yes. Um, like, being naked on Twitter might empower Kim Kardashian, but I don't consider it empowerment for all women because some women might feel really uncomfortable during that. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's empowerment for all women. Yeah. I think some things are obviously very empower empowering for all women, and those are feminists. But I don't think that something which is empowering to one individual in particular could or could not be feminist. I mean, it depends how you perceive it. Mm. Um, if it's done... Like, porn can be very empowering to some women, mm. and for some other women... It may be in like a different time or like who are in a different circumstance or don't have to write um, information before getting it. It might not be that empowering and they might decide to get out of it afterwards. Yeah. I think it's a lot depends on the person. And I don't think a newspaper today can say, oh, this is empowering. Oh, this is not empowering. You should not be feel, feel empowered by this. Because I've just looked at who the author was. I, I don't know if this is an OK thing to say, but I'm sure someone will shoot me down. Um, yeah, that's fine. The author is a man. Yay. The person telling women who, or fian feminists, sorry, who they should and shouldn't be listening to yeah. is a man. <laughs> and the, the, um, the strapline, no, what's it called? The, yeah, the strapline. Yeah, strapline. Um, on the article is, Queen Bay may want to speak, but she has nothing compelling to say. I think oh. the tagline is even worse than the fact that he's a man. Because, like, a man, man can be feminist. They and totally can. Like, d d I don't think, like, the gender of a person means their opinions are less uh, important on feminism. I think that if they start going on off on a tangent alone mm -hmm. and saying, like, without consulting with their female colleagues, exactly. that, like, you know, like, I mean, it and depends. Like shouldn't. That's what yeah. gets me. Yeah. And, like, maybe he's a huge feminist. I don't really know him, so I can't really judge. But he, if he's going on a tangent alone without discussing it with other mm. female friends, then he's a bit of a book. Like, but the worst is the tagline. But has nothing compelling to say. I mean, women should just shut up exactly. and stay in their boxes You're if they have nothing right compelling. Feminism. You like, should just be quiet. Yeah. Uh. Especially as a journalist, I feel like we should have like a, we should value freedom of expression right? and freedom of being able to uh, offend anyone yeah. that we want. I think that as journalists, that's a luxury Although that we have. I feel like, I think we're about to move into an entirely different argument now, but it's an important argument, I think. And one that, I think we might disagree on. Yeah. Okay, go the for it. The safe spaces, the freedom of speech. Okay. I personally think that a safe space is a private kind of thing. I think freedom... I think... Okay, actually, I think freedom of speech is obviously extremely important in a functioning society. Um, and I think that everyone should be able to say what they want unless what they're saying is hurting a huge group of people. Like what Katie Hopkins once said about cockroaches. Mm. Uh, she was talking about the refugees and saying that we should sink the boats before the cockroaches arrived. I'm paraphrasing. This is the podcast of Andy badly paraphrasing things. <laughs> um, but anyway, she called the refugees cockroaches. And that's a, I think she should have been arrested for that. Like Or like she should have been, the police should have gotten involved with that because... You have the right to offend. You have the right to express yourself. But 
you can't just spread hateful messages. Um, but I think what she was thinking in safe space was like in um, case of rape, wasn't it? Or like no, I was thinking in the case of um, Peter Tatchell and the NUS debacle where oh god like the, the no platforming argument came around and there weren't even no platforming him it was really someone said they didn't want to speak on the same panel as him and then he got all uppity being like oh somebody doesn't like me they're no platforming oh yeah so annoying I think like that we sh- they should have the rights and they should be able to speak in universities and I think it's always, or even if you don't agree with their position I think it's always better to listen to what they have to say uh, and then write an article about how what they said is really done. Mm-hmm. You can't just. Sh- I think it's more dangerous to shut down speech um, than to mm-hmm. unless it's hateful. Unless they're spreading really hateful messages. Um, but I think that was the problem, wasn't it? I, yeah. Because I mean that debate was just stupid. Like there was so much misinformation flying around everywhere. But I think it came into a wider argument of when when a place is a safe space for people who are constantly persecuted, like trans people. Yeah. When when a place is a safe space and someone who violates that kind of safety is allowed in and is given, like, all of the freedom to speak. I don't know, because I am a journalist and I massively agree with the freedom to speak. I think it's a very complicated issue, though, yeah. because, like, at the same time, I agree that you shouldn't persecute, like... I think that's, it's just don't be a dickhead, isn't it? Exactly. It's the rule of life, um, don't be but a But then again, you've got a load of load of dickheads in life, and then, but what do you do with them? Like, a lot yeah. of people have... A lot of people use their f- right to freedom of expression very carefully and very reasonably and responsibly, as they should. And then you've got, like, the Katie Hopkins of this mm. world who just rant about nonsense and just spread hateful messages which I'm not sure she believes I like to believe in the nice kindness in people and I might be naive but I think it might just like be publicity stunts because like which makes me even madder I'd rather she was an absolute knobhead I I agree because like I'm I assume she's extremely smart she has her own business but you know she's got epilepsy really badly yeah and I think sometimes like her meanness is due to that in some case maybe I don't know well, maybe it's just like a defense. Maybe it's just, you know, like how old people are sometimes really grumpy. Yeah. And because they've got, like, they've seen things yeah. and you can't possibly understand because you're young. And I think she might be a bit like that. Like, you know, I also think she's very um, egocentric. Egocentric? Yeah. yeah that's right. um, and that she likes the attention on her. So she's going to try to keep it yeah. and keep the momentum going. So at some point, was it last year? There was like a lot, of, lot of momentum around her on Twitter, um, and I think she was trying to keep that momentum, momentum going. Once she had it, she was like, "Okay, let's just say the most hateful things on Twitter and just see what happens." Yeah, yeah, that's true. I yeah. think it's all a bit, it's all a bit sad and questionable, isn't it? Um, we're swiftly running out of time, Andy Pandy. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the aubergine things? I would because love to talk about. This. You said you were going to blow my mind and didn't want I'm to hope, talk about yeah. it uh, before the podcast. I'm blow so, your mind. Um, yeah, I might not. Oh, I've just realised Andy has been peeking, guys, for some of this podcast. Oopsies. For the less radio geeky ones among you, that means that I did the sound checks wrong. It means that Andy has been slightly too loud. Anywho. Um, I apologise. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're very slightly peaking. I don't think anyone is going to notice the difference now. But hey. Okay, I'll just um, stay here then, far from the mic. Just don't come near the microphone. Um, so, aubergines. Aubergines. Please blow my mind. I am. Um, what do they mean? If someone 
if someone was to send you an aubergine, what would that mean to you? Well, I mean, like, penis is what I gathered. I don't know. Like, really? Or sexual innuendos. I don't know, because, like, there's loads of articles about people sending each other aubergines. How did you know that? How does everyone know this? Oh, <laughs> oh my god! I, I only knew this recently, to be fair, because I was sending randomly sending aubergines. It's like Netflix and chill. I didn't know what Netflix and chill meant, so I went up to like my ex boyfriend's brother and went, "Oh, should we just like take out a Netflix and chill tonight?" And he just turned around, shocked. <laughs> but like, yeah, so. I, I was so shocked because so I got a bit merry on Friday night. I was with you. I yeah. got merry on Friday night. Um, and then I text my partner as I got home being like, oh, I'm home. I had such a nice night. I was hammered. And then, so because I was hammered, I put an aubergine instead of an exclamation mark by accident. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And then I really liked the look of it. So I just sent loads of aubergines <laughs> and got this message back from Sky like, what are you doing? And I was like, why? What do you mean? And Sky was like, well, like, where are you? Why are you sending me pictures of cocks? And I was like, I'm not. I'm sending you aubergines. This is the not friendliest a of, a of the vegetables. <laughs> and so Sky was, Sky was aghast at the fact that I had no idea that this is to do with penises. I, it's a lovely vegetable. And it's what not the loveliest of the vegetables. They've but turned it into a phallic object. It's horrendous. I know, but like I only recently noticed this, and it was in an article about Tinder, um, and they were saying like something about the aubergine and like how it took a different significance. <laughs> and I was like, "What the? F- what the uh, fuck? Yeah, I th- I, we I, have like I've we have a warning on the." iTunes, so it's fine. I can say fuck. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you've. I'm glad I've been. I put it away. under like. Um, I put a warning on it on the podcast to say it wasn't for little kids. <laughs> well done. Yeah, look at me. I can freely say fuck. Anyway, <laughs> let's we're <laughs> discredit. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> going on a tangent again. Um, so yeah, it was on this article about Tinder, and like, I didn't. It that blew my mind. I mean, it would have blown my mind to have, like, I would have preferred to have that information from you. But that article was just like, how can it, who decided that the aubergine would replace dick pics or, like, exactly. not replace them, but who kind of thought that, like, why not a cucumber? I mean, like, just. Surely. Just surely. A cucumber. Carrots? A carrot. A banana. I mean, a banana I mean, was, a, like. Aubergine is fairly specific. It for, is. You it know? is very. Maybe. I think we're just I think we're just sheltered, Andy. I think we live in this lovely world where fruit are fruit, vegetables are vegetables and penises are penises. Yeah. Although I would like to point out that if the avocado had an emoji, that would become a vagina. Why a vagina? Think about it. Avocado ah. cut in half, emoji, clearly gonna turn into a vagina. Okay, isn't got it? it. At the moment I think a fig. Is there any fig emojis? I'm not sure. Where's my phone? It's on the is other it, side. Is it in here? Key. Um, I don't think there is a fig emoji. I don't Sky told me off. I would that, like use flowers as vaginas though, because it kind of like woo. I don't use know. Use flowers for dry, for vaginas. I don't know, because like in French we use like flowers as a euphemism every time like a man talks about sex. What? Like every like she bloomed while she orgasmed, and it was like a very like in books and stuff. Oh my god, that's so French. That is. Here we're like, oh, shagged her in her head, great. <laughs> It's so douchey though. It's like she bloomed while orgasming. It's like yeah, like that's <laughs> definitely yeah. But you ha- you come from the world of Sartre. Like here we have yeah. Yorkshire pudding and gravy. <laughs> 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 definitely the Yorkshire more romantic. Yorkshire pudding and gravy is a, a 
excellent. It, I don't know how I lived my life without it. I don't know how you lived your life without it. I don't know. It's like porridge. I can't stop eating porridge. That's and so every day should be Sunday roast day. It should be, shouldn't it? I know. I made Sunday roast, guys. I made Sunday roast for 14 people. She made great saying. Sunday roast. I made great Sunday roast. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm losing my voice. Ugh. Am I losing my voice? You sound fine. I mean, Do like, I? maybe I don't know. it's just me. I get quite melodramatic about these things. Yeah. I tend to call Sky when I'm mildly ill. Traumatizing a bit there. Yeah, a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Although I can feel a tickle in my throat. And that's always a warning sign. Oh, who wants to know a fun thing? I'm just chatting now. You have to shut me up. If I'm no, no, it's fine. Let's just like chat for a bit and then okay. like shut this down before we go on too much of a tangent because this can podcast. We, can you give me a time limit? Okay, you're allowed to talk for, we're at 24 now, so around 28 to 30 is your, oh, 30 is your max. Long. I think that's too long. Really? Okay. Although 26. we're taking up time by talking about this. 27. Anywho, okay, okay. Um, I'm organising <laughs> my gr- grandma's 80th birthday. Very exciting. Everyone's very excited. We're hyped. We're going to wear party hats. It's going to be amazing. Um, but my grandma is very much like me, very melodramatic, <laughs> very fabulous, if I say so myself. She, um, she's a Seroptimist, which is one of the world's biggest women's organisations. She's really cool. She like chairs everything. She's done naked calendars. She's really cool. Cool. Um, um, cool grandma. Yeah, well, you would think, right? Like she is. She's amazing. <laughs> and I'm really like, as I'm saying this, I'm really hoping she's never going to listen to this podcast. Um, but she emailed me the other day to find out about numbers for the party um and i was i was mid dissertation today i like helped do a eventy conference thing that i was really nervous about so i was just being a bit of a knobhead this week and she emailed me and then i sent back the numbers of, for people um and was like and there's seven from us so there's me my two brothers my mum and all of our partners and she was like oh and when I said, yeah. it, and I was like, I, I said Sky instead of all of our partners. I said Sky, Tanya, and Bethan. And she was like, "What? What do you mean, Sky? I didn't know Sky was coming. I didn't know Sky was invited." Whoa. And I was like, "What do you mean? You didn't know? Like you told me all partners were invited." <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I realized what she'd done, and I got really passive aggressive. And I was like, "I just assumed that when you said partners, you meant my partner as well, being Sky." And got this email back being like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Ah, But she doesn't do that. So actually, it was just like a really like, you're very Oh, was it a mistake or was it actually she was trying to like... I don't know. No, I think... No, no, no. Because she's too too left wing to be actively homophobic. I think what it is, is she just... She just didn't realise... But she's she's old. Like, oh, she's not old. She is. She's 18. I'm sorry. Um, But she's... (laughs) fucking fabulous like she's not an old person in her head or anything like that um so it definitely wasn't that i think what it was is she just hadn't kind of she hadn't put two and two together and realized that sky could be my partner like she knew that sky was but just in her head it didn't fit so Ah, maybe that's it because she had a gay granddaughter (laughs) how dare she how dare she disgrace shame um Okay, well, you did. You fit in, like twenty seven almost. You did really yeah, well. You did you. really well of time. Thank you very much, guys. Um, so yeah, uh, next we will hear Claire Meadows discuss um, societal pre- like the societal pressures men are under. I guess is how you'd phrase this. Um, we'll talk about 
male suicide, um, males ish- men's males males. males men's issues with feminism and all those that interesting stuff. And she's great. She's a she's wonderful. She's a poet. She's the founding editor of After Nine magazine, uh, which won awards, I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> and which I used to work for. If Did any, you? yeah, for a bit. Um, in the music section, but ah. they cut it off afterwards. Um, after you dropped there? After dropped. They didn't fire me. It's fine. <laughs> it's <just> fine. <laughs> I'm not that shit. Um, what else? And she wrote a book. She like She's a published author. She got three books published and recently published her third, which is To the Lions. But she'll talk about it later anyway. Um, I, I'm really excited to hear. Her yeah, me too. So It'll be Lucy and Andy doing that. Um, yeah, and I will be on this side of the glass. Yes, you will. Um, um, wicked. Okay, that was fun. Yeah, it was. I love you guys. Love you too. I hope. I hope. Um, I hope I don't lose my voice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a well. That was a great ending to our podcast. To our new section this week. Thank you, Mickey, for your input. Goodbye. <laughs> no woman has
here with Claire Meadows, who is a poet, author. Um, she just got a new book published. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Claire, but I think it's called To the Lions. Um, uh, to the Lions, yeah, To the Lions came out in February, yeah. And you're also the ambassador for CALM, um, so it's Campaign Against li uh, Living Miserably. Um, can you yes, tell I us? Am. Can you tell the listeners a bit more about that? Right, okay. Um, well, CALM was, uh, I became an ambassador, one of the ambassadors, quite a few of amb uh, ambassadors. It helped to kind of spread the cause a little bit further. Um, it was founded in 2006, um, and it basically runs campaigns to promote uh, culture change and better understanding of suicide. So it, it encourages a culture where men, will, instead of turning their issues into inside themselves, they, they know that there are resources there for them to seek help in their time of need. Um, and just for our listeners, so uh, last, in 2014, there were 76% 70 of all suicides uh, were men. Um, yeah, so why do you think that men have issues with discussing uh, mental health, like depression? Oh, it's, 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 just, it's difficult to know where to start, actually. It's basically the way I view it and the way I've always viewed it. Um, because this is a cause very close to my heart, which is why I wanted to be an ambassador. Um, it's a culture thing. It's um, it's a culture that fosters a certain um, approach to manhood, to manliness, that men should behave a certain way. And it makes it very difficult for men with these problems to break outside of that mould and actually seek help because they should be seen to be coping. Man up. I mean, my, one of the worst phrases in the whole English lexicon in my mind is actually man up because what that is actually implying is mm -hmm. that men's issues are not relevant, they're not valid. Man up, get over it, don't be a pussy, um, don't talk about these things. So the psychology has shown that and all the reports and everything is that men internalise that issue, their issues. Um, they can't be seen to be weak, whether it's because of society, like I was saying, or whether it's because of a domestic obligation. The man is always expected to be the provider, um, the one who is the figurehead. Um, and a lot of men struggle with that and don't feel that they can actually break that down and, and seek help in those circumstances. So, do you think uh, mental health issues are perceived as feminine, um, as more feminine um, by society? I think it's. I think it's not so much a case of that. I think it's a case of. Well, it kind of is linked to that. I think because I think it's something women are. It's okay to be intrinsically weak as a woman, and obviously that kind of viewpoint. It reflects badly on everybody. It reflects badly on men and women. Um, I think that it's not, it's difficult to actually answer it without kind of denigrating either side, really. I just think that it, a short answer is yes, I think it's something that society expects that women to suffer from and not men. Yeah. Um, and do you think feminism could do more um, to include men's opinions? So I'm thinking especially um, of he for she who... Um, who made an open invitation to all men um, to, I guess, I guess, like get them more included in fact, make them feel more included in the movement. Uh, but I think also a lot of men feel that feminism isn't for them. 
um, what do you think can be done to change that and make men's mental health more of a feminist issue? I think it's very, it's, it's a spectrum, and you, you may know this yourself, feminism is a spectrum, yeah. just as the men's rights area is a spectrum, where at one end you have um, accepting open mindsets, and then at the other end you have a radical a radical feminist wing where the, the state of the male is not a valid state. It's like ruling out Palestine. You know, there, there is yeah. no such thing. And, and I've, I've got five years of experience in the field of being around these people. I started um, working in the equal rights area back in about 2000... What is that, five years ago? Yeah, it's about 2011. Huh. Um, <laughs> and the people, I kind of went underground a little bit and I was actually seeing what the radical wing of feminism was saying about men. And that galvanized me in the other direction. But to answer your question, I think if we were to approach the end of the spectrum where, yes, the male, men are included, men are considered, I think that there is a lot to be said for women to get involved with male issues. Don't yeah. see it as two separate things because the man and woman is two halves of a whole. And I think that if you actually separate the rights of one from the other, it's good for no one. Yeah, and I also think what, when you were talking about a spectrum of feminism, I think the um, the very radical feminists and the very radical uh, men's rights activists are often the loudest on uh, social yeah. media platforms like Twitter. So do you think those people can give both movements a bad name? Yes, yeah? and I also think it works in reverse as well. I think I've seen some really terrible things written about men. Yeah. from radical feminists, and I've actually seen some very hideous things written about women from men's rights activists. I don't consider myself either. I actually sit right in the middle as an equal rights activist because I think you cannot build one up, and this is my theory, but all the way along, you can't build one up off the back of the other. Yeah, so you I can't like, tear one down. Equal. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, yes, and I think, yes, they're always the ones that have the biggest platform. Yeah, and I was also thinking last year... Um, this Labour MP, Jess Phillips. Um, yeah. So they were discussing men's, issue in, men's issues in Parliament um, and she is a feminist and kind of burst out laughing um, and saying stuff like, oh, um, men are uh, the most powerful people in society, so why should, they, why should we speak about their issues? Women are um, oppressed, if anything. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, but do you think that kind of behaviour can put men off discussing uh, really complicated issues like suicide and depression? Yes, I, and I'm glad you brought her up because she is a personal bugbear of mine. I think that she has erroneously been given a platform. Um, she maybe came out with one cockeyed thing and everybody leapt on it and went, yeah, she's great, she's representing all of us. <laughs> and what she actually does is a very, has a very negative, yes, it's very insightful. She has a very negative impact on men who are sitting there maybe watching her rhetoric at home, thinking, well, maybe she's right, maybe I am rubbish. And then he goes and kills himself, and it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's a worst-case scenario, obviously, but, I mean, that kind of that kind of flaming rhetoric in a public arena where she has, again, that platform is very irresponsible. Yeah. And what do you think we can do about those um, people who, like, take a platform and use it irresponsibly? What do you think can be done? 
I think there needs to be scope for greater understanding about the issue so people can take a greater stand at that point so they can actually turn around to just for it and say, well, hang on a minute, you are a bit wrong. Tackle her on Twitter. I tackled her on Twitter the other day. Um, and it's knowing that she is wrong and feeling strong enough that she is wrong. Or it's not just her. Let's not make a victim of her. Um, but anybody in that kind of circumstance who is speaking irresponsibly, we have to have the knowledge in advance to challenge them and break that down. Yeah, and I was also thinking the other day you went on a round um, against uh, Urban Outfitters who uh, put uh, shampoo on their line. And the shampoo. Yeah, yeah, the shampoo. So what was it on the, what was the name of the shampoo again? It, it was, oh, what was that? I can't even think of the name of the brand here. It was called Peachy Head. And it was stopped, I was, it was brought to my attention um, by another, some, uh, a guy that I was linked up with on Twitter who knew me from Calm. And it was basically, it's a pun on, it was Peachy Head for suicidal hair. Which makes no bloody sense. I mean, what is suicidal <laughs> hair to start off with? Um, and it's basically a pun on Beachy Head, which is obviously the notorious UK suicide spot. And they actually, Urban Outfitters, I took them on because they had no reason to stop that. Why were they stopping that? It's completely irresponsible. And the company, I cannot put the name of it, it's gone completely out of my head. Um, they had no reason making it in the first place. What, suicide is, suicide is a toiletry? Oh, great, okay. Tell that to the families. Tell that to the victims. You know, yeah. it, it's completely irresponsible how that ever got made in the first place. And what do you think, uh, what message do those kind of products send? Um, because I can guess on the, on a depressed person who's thinking about suicide, it can be very, I guess, um, denigrating of their issues, I guess. It's kind of demeaning. I don't know. Like, what do you think? What kind it's, of... it's not... It's not just the impact on the suicidal individual, it's the impact on society as a whole. It's sending a message that it's something to be judged by. When there's people like Tom trying to make a valiant effort to make these voices of these men heard, you've got another company coming out going, oh, is it we'll put it on a bottle of orange shampoo <laughs> and we'll all laugh about it in urban outfitters. As if it's okay. And then the rest they're encouraging by stopping it. Of course, urban outfitters have actually terminated that that, that product. Um, but it's not in their stores anymore. But by putting it out there, you're actually encouraging people to buy it and endorse that message, and that's just wrong. Yeah, and I think like violence against men, especially, is often um, is not often talked about. Like depression, suicide, and also violence against men. Um, because I watched this documentary the other day. It's called The Hunting Ground, um, which right. is a documentary on rape in on campus. And I was, um, and I thought it would only feature um, uh, female victims or survivors of rape, uh, but it ac there was like actually a few uh, male survivors of rape, and they were speaking about they were talking about the fact that um, in society they were not supposed to be weak and they should be able to uh, fight an aggressor off. Um, and what what do you think of that like that kind of societal thing? Sorry. You have a, uh, within society, you there is a very fragile construct called masculinity, and it is viewed down the end of a very, very narrow spectrum. And it's something that, again, we come down to societal expectations and norms. But you can expect a normal, healthy man raised in in this society, you down the barrel of this range. If something like that happens to him, it's a hostile environment for him to actually admit 
that he has had that happen to him. I don't mean hostile that people are going to throw sticks and stones at him and things like that, but it's an it's a environment that is not sympathetic to his lack of masculinity because how can you be masculine when you've been raped? And then internalise that again. And then you, it, it, it starts a rock inside of him, just like it does with women. Yeah. And you're right, it's not as spoken about as it is with women. And I, I go into that, the, the spectrum you were talking about, the two ends of the feminist spectrum, you have women at the radical end denying that male rape can ever take place. And the survivors are a joke. They're just pussy men who can't handle that they're homosexuals. I've seen it written down, and I, I'm not saying that everybody thinks that, but I've actually seen it, and it's extremely, extremely ugly. And obviously, as a man, as a man in that situation, that's not a ho- that's a very hostile environment for you to actually come out and admit what's happened to you. You know, with women, that women aren't believed. Yeah, it happens with men. Yeah, and I can imagine for a man, um, it would be even more complicated to be believed. Because I know people that, out of uh, ignorance, I think, more than hostility, would say, oh, but how come you can fend that person off? You're a man, and you should be able to protect yourself, if anything. Um, so, yeah, so how do you think, uh, in today's society, with, obviously, uh, feminism and loads of great uh, gender equality movements, uh, what, how do you think we can define masculinity today, or is it even definable? There needs to be a degree of respect on both sides, and I'm very, very cautious to always toe the line in the middle. And I have kept that line for the past five years that you don't cause disrespect to anyone. You don't denigrate anyone. Male, female, I'm a big believer. I've worked with, I work with students at Regents University campus to promote these women and build these women up to be strong individuals working in the media just as I build up men to be able to deal with their problems and own their problems and feel that they can come out in in that environment. I think knowledge is the key to everything. I think if we're to break down this fragile construct of masculinity in people's minds and promote a, a, a more accepting view of the male in society, there needs to be knowledge and there needs to be respect on both sides. Yeah. And I feel that sometimes in society there's like kind of this competition that you can't empathize or discuss uh, male or female issues. It's either one or the other, um, which is quite yeah, sad. Actually, you're letting, you're letting your side down as a feminist. You're letting your side down if you actually empathize with a man. I've never been able to get behind that. Yeah, in exactly. my mind, I don't know how that works. That's a pretty Sorry, sad I aspect. Your question. Go on. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. That was that wasn't really a question. I just think it's a sad aspect of feminism that we can't. Um, that we can't empathize with male issues um, because I think that actually the patriarchy affects both men and women in different ways, but in very, both are very serious ways and that we shouldn't, as feminists, go into the extreme and the like extreme side of spectrum that, oh, all men are bad and all men, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. We're dealing, if we come back to calm, we're dealing with a situation where suicide is the biggest killer of men Mm-hmm. under the age of 45 in the UK. Yeah. 76% of all suicides are male. There were 4,622 men committed suicide in 2014. That is an average of 12 a day. In anyone's mind, unless you're a crazy, nasty fruitcake, that is not an acceptable situation. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, do you, I know our time is running low right now. 
Um, so is, are there any other things you'd like to talk about, especially regarding your, your work in Calm? I, well, not particularly my work, I just, I think the biggest thing I can get across about CARM is that it's a very necessary charity, it's not government funded. The helpline has recently been given, through public donations, it's been able, it's now open seven days a week. Um, there are plans to actually fund that, double the core capacity, and enable that to stay open till 2am. It's currently, if I can give you the hours, it's yeah. 365 days a year, the, the headline. 